All right. Well, I'm excited. We're starting our Next Step sermon series today, and uh, we've been kind of talking about that for quite some time. So I'm, I'm glad you guys are here. Glad everyone's here today. I just want to start, by, start this out by asking a question. And so my question is this. My question is, can you think of some big steps you've taken in life and uh, maybe some of the impact that those big steps have, have, have had in your life? It could be something good. It could be something bad. You know, maybe you moved to Phoenix. Maybe it was, uh, you know, you got a, started a new career. Maybe it was something um, you got married. Maybe it was you ended a serious relationship. But can you think for yourself of one or two big things that you've done in your life, big steps that you've taken in your life? And can you see how maybe the implications or the impact that that's had on the story of your life? Can you think of a few? Some good ones, maybe some bad ones, maybe some missed opportunities, and you think, man, I, I, I'm not going to have this opportunity again. I wish I would have jumped on this when it was right there. Or maybe some missteps, and you're like, boy, I, I have quite a few of those. Personally, I, I'm like, man, that was, uh, that was a horrible choice, and I can see the ripple effects into my life now. Well, we're, that's what we're going to be talking about. The reality of the steps that we take in life are important. And we all take steps every day. We take small steps. We take big steps. But the steps that we take are important. And Ned sermon talked uh, kind of to the same issue even last week. And so this is, it's important for us to recognize. I was thinking for myself about some of these things and some of the big steps I've taken. And, and this first one was when I was, was young. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor. But one of the biggest steps I took was, I remember it was just a few blocks from here. It was Sweetwater and Cave Creek. There's a little church back in the neighborhood there. It used to be called Cactus Baptist Church. And uh, we'd been attending that church for quite some time. You know, I've told you about my dad. He was uh, uh, just a rough guy, barroom brawler, all, all of that. And uh, he came to Christ. His life changed. And we went to a church in Sunny Slope for a while, and then we went to Cactus Baptist. And uh, so it had been about a year we were attending that church, and I'd been learning things about God. Our whole household was kind of changing, and um, I actually had even gotten baptized. And uh, So then one Sunday, we're in, in that church service, and the preacher started talking about hell and being separated from God for eternity and talking about if you haven't put your faith in Christ or if you had not received salvation that we were doomed to separation from God and I remember back in the old Baptist churches and some of them still do this they would have an altar call you guys know what the altar call right they play the music and you know come on up if you want to repent of something or if you want prayer or if you want to receive Christ and I remember they did an altar call and uh, I'd already been baptized in everybody's mind I was already a Christian but I remember I knew in my heart I wasn't and I remember asking my dad, Dad, will you take me up front? You know, I was a little nervous to go up by myself. And that decision, obviously, has impacted my entire life. That was one step, one day, one afternoon, that has changed my, the entire course of my life. I think of an, another one. I think of asking Carly to marry me. 
That's changed the entire course of my life. I won't go into all the romantic details of that, but how many ever years ago it was at Sky Harbor Airport, got down on my knee, that's all the romance I'm going to share right there, and asked her to marry me. She said yes the first time. And honestly, uh, it was about the most nervous I'd been for anything else in my life. Uh, uh, I was, my voice was quaking and all that, but she said, yeah, that changed the whole direction of my life, it really did, and, and I won't tell you the whole story of my life, but another one that came to my mind was, <clears throat> and some of you guys, the men might be able to relate to this a little, a little bit more, but I sold my work truck and my tools, and that, I know, it was a big step in my life for for years, I'd been plumbing. My dad was a plumber. I had started a small plumbing company. I worked for the union. I started a small plumbing company. I had built up. I had a couple trucks. I had tools, you know, kind of the, the tools you really need to, to run a business. I had a plumbing business, jackhammer, uh, big pipe machines, ratchet snappers, you know, all the cool power tools, all the stuff you really need. But when I was young, everyone would say, what do you want to do? And I'd say, anything but be a plumber. And I'd buy about... 15, I'd had enough of plumbing because that's how my dad was always dragging me to the job, being a plumber, being a plumber. Well, here I am, uh, past 30, still plumbing, plumbing, plumbing. But I really wanted to be a teacher. And plumbing pays a lot better than teaching. Uh, so I'd get myself dragged back into that. I'd take on another job, and then I was trying to do some substitute teaching at the time. It paid way better than substitute teaching, by the way. Um, and I'd say, no, nah, this is it. I'm going to start the teaching stuff. And then I'd pretty soon, again, I'd take a side job or take a small job and then, you know, just word of mouth and then a bigger job and then two small jo side jobs. So finally, one day, I just decided I need to sell this truck, sell the big tools. I kept my hand, you know, my hand tools and, and a, a torch and uh, sold, sold everything, sold it to one of my former bosses. That was a step. It was a decision I made. That had a profound impact on my life. If, if I wouldn't have made that choice, I would probably be uh, still plumbing right now. Uh, and occasionally I do still plumb, just not for money. But um, anyways, as we go through this series that we would just begin to consider and begin to think about the reality that we all have steps we take in life. Some of them have been good steps, some of them have been bad steps. But the steps that we take are important. And particularly in your journey with God or in your walk with God is what we're going to be focusing on. And so the idea that it's important, the steps that we take having a walk with God. And so maybe you can even think, in my walk with God, what are some big steps that I've taken? What are some steps of faith? And I just want to also... Before we dive into all the details uh, of today's message, I just want to define step for us. In this series, you're going to hear me saying step, 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 and you, you will probably get annoyed with the idea of just, okay, next step, and next step, and next step. But when I think of a next step or the way we're using it for our purposes, when I say next step, what we're talking about is in a walk with God, and so it's a faith decision followed by an action faith decision followed up by activity right so 
if you think about it, you're like, man, I really need to reconcile with one of my old bosses. You know, I, I stole some stuff from the job or whatever. I need to go make amends. And you're like, that's the next step. I know I need to do that. In my walk with God, I need to go make amends to this boss. Well, we're not talking about just deciding that or realizing that or planning on that. That's not a next step. We're talking about making a decision by faith. I'm going to do that. I need to do that. And picking up the phone and calling your boss, saying, when can I come meet you? That's the kind of thing we're talking about taking a next step. If it's getting your finances in order and under God's, it's not going, yeah, I really need to get my finances in order. It's beginning to maybe give or it's beginning to maybe sit down and ask someone for help setting up a budget or maybe taking on a side job so that you can get out of debt, whatever that would be. But that's what we're talking about when we talk about steps in the series is a faith decision followed up by some kind of action. So today, I'm feeling like the uh, high-tech redneck here, more of a hillbilly than a redneck, but using the old PowerPoint inspired by Ned. Uh, don't get used to it every week. But so what is your next step today? We're going to talk about these three main phases of a journey, how our journey begins, moving along on the right path, and arriving in style. So I'm going to pray one more time, and then we'll dive into the details of the message. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can have a walk with God. We thank you we can enjoy forgiveness and freedom and joy. We can enjoy a new life, new chapter, and uh, even a, a new journey and fresh beginnings, Father. I pray that you would give each of us clarity as we go through this series, as we go through today, on what exactly you want us to do, what steps you want us to take. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so we're going to start with how our journey begins. And as we talk about this, it's just important for us to realize that before our journey begins, we're spiritually dead. If you're taking notes in the bulletin, that uh, dead is the, the fill in there. But the idea is we're spiritually dead. So I'm not just talking about your journey in life because it's easy for us to think of our journey in life, and that is a journey. But in particular, we're talking about your walk with God, your spiritual journey. And so we say that really we need to understand that our walk with God does not begin until we are spiritually born because prior to that, we are dead. And... As we go through today's message, I'm going to use the Apostle Paul and kind of his walk with God, his journey. And before he was a believer, before he had put his faith in Christ, uh, he was spiritually dead. So I'm going to read this. You can join along in, uh, in your Bibles or up on the screen. But here's what Paul said about himself before he was a Christian. He said, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous towards God as you all are today. So let me just say something about that. Basically what he's saying is, I was a super religious guy that was passionate about the things of God, and I sat under the best of the best Bible teachers. That's what he's saying. This is before he was a believer. He was religious. He was passionate about the things of God. He was zealous. He was well learned. He knew the Bible inside and out. The Bible that they had up to that day, he knew it inside and out. 
But yet he was not born again. He was not walking with God. He knew about God. And so as we begin, it's important for us to understand that really our walk, our spiritual journey begins, it doesn't begin until we are spiritually born. It doesn't begin when we're religious or when we know things about God. In fact, I was thinking, as I was preparing, I was thinking about a lady who was over in her other building, came up to me, and she had been a career missionary. She'd been serving Christ for decades on the mission field, and she came up to me one day after a sermon, and she said, I got saved today. All this time, I've been trusting in my works, trusting in religion, trusting in the things I was doing, but I had never really put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And today during the message, I made a decision to trust Jesus Christ instead of my own self-righteousness. And it, I don't, we ended up uh, baptizing that, that lady probably a few months shortly after that. But the reality is you can have a lot of knowledge about God. You can be doing good things. You can be passionate about spiritual matters, but not truly be born again. And so... The next, we, we, we read a little bit more about Paul, and he was misguided at this point. He says, I persecuted this way, or the Christians, that's what they called the church back then was the way, to death. Catch that. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. So he's radical, right? He's grabbing people. He takes them out of their homes. He, in fact, that's what he's going to say in a minute. Like, I'd go get letters from the religious leaders, and so they would allow me to go grab these people in Damascus or wherever it was, drag them out of their home to be prosecuted. And, and some of them were even uh, stoned to death because they were following this cult of the way or of Jesus Christ. And so that was Paul. That's what he was doing. And so he was passionate about the things of God, but he was misguided. He was wrong. And so that was who he was. He said, uh, the high priest bears me witness on all the council of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren. I went to Damascus, so he's traveling to Damascus, to bring in chains, even those who were there, to Jerusalem to be punished. So he was going and grabbing these people and bringing them to Jerusalem. Now, a point I want to make. This guy was basically, uh, the, for the first Christian martyr, they laid their, their cloaks down at Paul's feet as they went and grabbed rocks to crush the skull and to, to martyr the first Christian martyr, Stephen. And so we see this man who was unborn. He was spiritually dead. He had a lot of knowledge about God. But we can also see that he was what we would consider the worst of the worst. The, he, he was, you know, you talk about, he even called himself the chief of sinners. And so I just want to give the good news message here that you know what? Jesus Christ can save the chief of sinners. And he was responsible for people being murdered, for being killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And so our journey begins, we're spiritually, our, our, our journey does not begin until we are spiritually born. And so Ephesians talks about this. We're going to be going flipping and flopping back from Acts passages to Ephesians. But this is what Paul writes about. He says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, who is the devil, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom 
Also, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So what he's saying is we were dead. We weren't bad people that just needed to be cleaned up. We were dead. We needed to be made alive. That's what he's talking about. And so even though he had a lot of knowledge about God, he was spiritually dead. So our walk with God begins when we are spiritually born. If you like to know the Bible terminology for that, that's justification. and basically means that we are made right. We're justified. And so as that happens, <clears throat> and here's Paul's story of be becoming justified or being converted or his eyes being opened to the truth. So remember, he's going to get letters, right, down to Damascus. He's, he's going down to Damascus. It says, now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, which it doesn't get any brighter than noonday, right? About noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That was his name prior to being a believer. After becoming a believer, he changed, his name was changed to Paul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. And so the reality here is that this is a moment where Paul knew who Christ was, but he didn't really know who Christ was. He had heard about this guy. As far in his estimation, Christ was a lunatic that was leading a cult. That was how he viewed Jesus Christ. But at this moment, his heart changed. His opinion changed of who Christ is. That's the first step. That's how your journey begins. You may have heard about Christ. You may have heard Christ's name used a lot of times in cuss words and occasionally uh, in, in a church service, or you may have heard the message of Christ. But until our hearts truly embrace and believe who Jesus Christ is and the reality of who He is, we're not yet on a true spiritual journey. And so <clears throat> that's what happened. And so if you're filling out your notes, our walk begins when we are spiritually born. You're like, why are you taking so much time on this, Rich? Get to the next, other next step part. Well, here's why I'm taking so much time on this. Because this is the most important steps. I said, the steps we take in life are important. There's no other step that's more important than this. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. It will affect you not only now, but for eternity. I'm not talking about learning more about Jesus. I'm not talking about reading your Bible. I'm not talking about showing up to church. I'm not talking about putting money in the box. I'm not talking about being a good person. I'm not talking about trying real hard. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the biggest step you can take, the biggest, biggest faith decision you can make is to say, I am going to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm done resting on my own righteousness, my own works, my own good. I'm trusting that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I know he could die for everybody else's sins maybe, but I trust that he died for and paid for my sins and that he conquered those through his death and resurrection. I'll receive the gift of eternal life right now. That's how our journey begins. Until then, if we go through any kind of motions or steps without doing that, they're all phony and misguided. So our journey begins 
when we are made spiritually alive. And then I just kind of want to keep reiterating this. The steps that we take, and again, just even that first step, if you don't take it, that's important. And it impacts our entire walk with God. So not taking a step is going to have an impact also. You hear this and you're like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, I'm not sure I'm buying into that yet. That also has an impact on our spiritual journey. This just talks about the, the reality of God who's rich in mercy with his great love, which he loved us when we were dead. So he doesn't ask us to do something to make ourselves as lives. It's when we were dead in trespasses or in sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raises us up. It's a gift. Grace is a gift. It's an undeserved gift. You want a simple definition of grace? It's an undeserved gift. It's not something you work for. It's not something you earn. It's not something you make an exchange for. It's an undeserved gift, and that's how we're saved. All we do is say, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Yes, I'll receive that gift of eternal life. So again, that's how our spiritual journey begins. First stop is saying, or first step is saying yes to Jesus Christ. Immediately after that happened, here's what Paul says. So Paul said, what shall I do, Lord? That was his, that was, he's, now he is on the path, the right path, and he asked the questions, so now what? What do you want me to do? Tell me what to do. In other words, tell me what next step I need to take. And for us as believers, that's what it really is. We talk about a walk with God. Well, we're, we're born again. We get on the right path. Our journey begins spiritually. What do we do? What do you want me to do? And he also has mapped out, this is, again, I'm running these, these passages parallel, the Acts passages and the um, Ephesian passages. He says, for we are his workmanship. So he, thought, he says, you are dead. You are made alive. And then he says, you're his workmanship. You're God's, that word is actually, you're God's poem. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. In other words, God has mapped out a trail, mapped out a path for us. He says, I took you from the pit of death. I took you from the pit of yourself. I took you from the pit of trespasses and sin and the pit of Satan's grip. I plucked you out and I put you on a path when you said yes to Jesus. And now you're on that path and you say, what do I do? He says, I've mapped out a, I've mapped out a road for you of good works. I've prepared it beforehand. You don't need to go struggle and find it. All this stuff's going to come into your path as you go down the path, but walk in that path of good works. And so moving along on that right path, our walk with God, and this is in the notes there, begins by faith and continues by faith. What's another word for faith? Trust. Right? To buy into all this stuff we're talking about and Jesus dying for our sins and Jesus be that's going to take some trust. It's going to take some faith. Well, to continue walking with God, to walk in good works, that's going to take some trust. That's going to take some faith. I want to just catch the last part of this, verse 17. It says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed 
from faith to faith. God's holiness, God's righteousness is demonstrated, is made alive, is put out in front of us as it starts with faith and it continues with faith. It's no different for us as believers and we're talking about next steps. If you're a believer, God's wanting you to take a step of faith. Can you think of when was the last time you took a step of faith? Because for Christians, we can get in a rut, can't we? We're not really taking a step of faith. I heard, I read recently something to the effect of uh, a rut is really just a grave with the sides crammed in. And a lot of us are just in a Christian rut and it's just kind of dead, it's boring, it's not, doesn't mean anything. And it's maybe been a while since we've actually taken a step of trust, a step of faith in any, in any area. And so says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So how do we, how do we stay on the right path? Continue taking steps of faith. And for a lot of us, showing up to church here and just cracking open our Bibles is not really taking a step of faith. And we wonder why our Christian walk is stalled out. And it would be the same as starting a journey, starting hiking down a trail, and then just finding a big rock under a shade tree and going, I'm sitting, I'm sitting down. I just want to take a rest. And a lot of us in our walks have become complacent and we've become stalled out and we've become comfortable. Steps of faith are scary, aren't they? Uh, maybe I'll get it for another clip, but there was one of the uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark movies. Maybe you guys would even know what this is. And he goes to walk out on this thing uh, and it looks like it's this big cavern. It's actually more than a cavern. I mean, it's like a, a, a abyss. And he's following all the clues or whatever. I can't even remember the details. But he goes to take a... He's like, this is it. I know this is it. This is where I'm supposed to step. But it looks like the cavern. And he takes a step on it. And it's actually... There's a bridge there. But it's just been painted to look... Does any, anybody know that movie? It's been painted to look like the bottom of that cavern or abyss and taking a step of faith is scary isn't it asking Carly to marry me is a little scary I was nervous she could have said no what if I picked the wrong woman I mean there's a hundred things that could have, could have gone a hundred different ways it could have gone taking steps are, are, are scary and a lot of times we're stalled out in our walk with God because we're afraid or we're too comfortable and we're letting fear or comfort keep us from taking another step. By the way, this biblical term, which you could see back there, is sanctification. So we have that moment of justification. That happens in a flash, in a second, in an instant. And when we say, I put my trust in Christ, boom, we're made new. We're given spiritual life. Sanctification is our path along uh, this course till we, till we go to the grave. Or until Christ comes back. That's sanctification. That's a process. That's a growing process. It's a learning process. It's a being developed process. So how do we keep moving along on that right path? Well, we move along by taking steps of faith. And staying on the right path means walking with God. means following in the footsteps of Christ. So what's the right path? There's so many different things. Is You know, we could, we could just fill our heads with questions and confusion. Well, really it means to follow in the footsteps of Christ. And you're like, well, what does that mean? That's nice spiritual jargon. I bet I'm supposed to follow in the footsteps of Christ. Like, 
His footsteps were gone thousands of years ago. There's no pattern for me to follow there. But it means following in the heart, following in the way he lived. And next week we're actually going to zero in on more on that part of it, what it means to follow Christ. But to stay on the right path means that you are following Christ. You're developing his heart, his character, making those kind of decisions day by day. Here, First Peter talks about that we, he left us an example that we would follow in his steps. John 1.26, He who abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. And notice you'll see some blanks for this. Consistent walking will result, result in ongoing transformation. Now, I feel like I'm kind of going into this stuff and you could, could be going, okay, what does all this mean? We want to understand there's a place where our walk begins. We want to understand that right now, if you're a believer, if you haven't made that first step, that's the first step of first steps. Put your faith and trust in Christ for salvation. If you've made that, then you've got a, you got a, a walking, uh, you've got a pattern that to follow walking. And one is to take steps of faith. Two is to follow in the footsteps of Christ. But three is to realize that as we do that step by step by step, we'll be being transformed. I've seen people's lives in here transformed consistently. And the walk doesn't always look like you're rollerblading down the, you know, down the freeway. A lot of times it's like this, right? I mean, can you all relate to that? There are one step up, two steps back, and fail and sin. And uh, then you're thinking, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, my goodness, I never saw this temper thing, or I never realized this issue. And so we continue to follow on the path that Jesus Christ has for us. What happens is we will be transformed. And what does he say? He said to his disciples, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. There's a transformation there that happens. If you follow me, I'm going to make you in to something you're not. And so as we're talking about taking next steps and being transformed, it's going to take a next step of following Christ. That would be idiotic. It would be stupid for us. And we don't think of it in any other area of life that if we want to change in our health, that we can keep doing the same things. If we want to change in our marriage, that we could keep doing the same thing. Unless we want a bad change. Things will go downhill naturally. Right, Ned? Second law of thermodynamics, right? So... If we want a positive change, if we, if we want, then we have to actually take a step. If you want your health to change, you have to take a step. You want your finances to change, you have to take a step. You want your marriage to change, you have to take a step. The same is true spiritually. If we want to be transformed, we want to grow, then it's going to require us taking a step. That's what this series is about, is finding out, God, what step am I supposed to be taking? For some, it may be that very first step. For some, it may be I took that first step and now I'm not even sure where to go from here. God, will you make that clear to me? For some, you're a thousand yards down the trail, but you've sat down under, underneath the shade tree and you're stalled out. You're in a holding pattern. You're discouraged. You're confused. But finding out what that next step is. Maybe for some, and we've seen a lot of it's happened to me, it's happened to others in here, maybe you've taken a wrong step and you've been unfollowing something wrong. You got on the right path, God started you out, you've been deceived, you started chasing your own desires, maybe you got lazy, and pretty soon you're off the path that God has for you. And I'll tell you what, that, always, that path always leads to death and misery, loss of relationships, 
loss of joy, loss of peace, all kind of things. So, Paul, there was a change, there was a transformation in Paul. Again, we're continuing that same passage. Here's what it says about Paul. These are parallel accounts of Paul's transformation. It says, immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Here we go from this guy that was anti-Christ, dragging people, going and getting letters so that he could have these guys persecuted, and now this change has happened. And he says, Lord, what would you have me do? God gives him some short instructions. And what happens to Paul? Paul is changed man. Now he's preaching Christ in the synagogues. Moving along the right path. Are you moving along? Are you stalled out? Or are you moving down, down the wrong path? I would say that these are probably, maybe you could think of some more options, but these are probably described. You find yourself in one of these three bullet points. The other one might be you're not on the right path, like you've never been spiritually born. So it's important for us to take a, a step. If you're stalled out, to take a step. And I would say this. If you're like, no, I'm going. I'm going on a good clip. I would encourage you to take a giant step. Take a leap. Maybe you're stepping fine. It's time for you to take a leap. As a teacher, I had this thing hung up in the classroom, and it said, a small chasm. Sorry, scratch that. A chasm, or a big, huge valley, cannot be crossed in two small steps. A chasm cannot be crossed in two small steps. Does that make sense? A lot of times they're like, oh, I want to just baby step across that. There are some things where you got to make a leap. And that's what faith usually feels like is the leap. Again, Paul, what shall I do, Lord? My hope is that over the weeks that that's what you'd be praying. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? Maybe for you it's to reconcile. Maybe it's to forgive somebody. Maybe it's to get your finances in order. Maybe it's to sign up for a discipleship group. Maybe it's to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe it's to get clarity on, on, on something. Maybe it's to quit a job. Maybe it's, a, I don't know what it is, but Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm not trying to assign, okay, here's what... Uh, Garrett, I got something for you. Here's your next step. Kaylee, your next step. Carly, I got about 10 next steps for you. I'll write them down. Uh, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a real live relationship with God where you start praying going, God, I'm almost maybe even a little nervous what you're going to ask me to do. But what do you want me to do? That brings spiritual life, by the way. If, if you're stalled out, that will bring spiritual life and spiritual rejuvenation. So, arriving in style. Arriving in, uh, arriving in style are two different things, and I want to explain this. So, the end of our course, the end of the, the rope, the end of our trail, the, the end of our journey, however you would want to say it, for the Christian, all Christians, ends in glorification. It means showing up, and you are going to make it to heaven. And you're making it to heaven because Jesus, you put your trust in Christ instead of anything else. Because he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There is no way to the Father but through me. So if we trust him, then we will arrive there. Arriving is great. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's the big decision. You want to make that decision, you want to end up there. 
You want to secure a spot in heaven by putting your faith in Christ and your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the starting point. That's the most important decision you could ever make. But arriving in style is even better. Now think about it. If I said, hey, we got a, we got a week-long vacation for you all. We're going to send you all to the Grand Canyon. It, that may not be your ideal vacation. We're going to send you all to the Grand Canyon. And just the reality, and some of you, I know I've had road trips like this, uh, you end up making it to your final destination. But it's hell along the way. <laughs> the cars broke down. There's misery. There's family fights. There's <clears throat> you're broke by the time you get there. You're figuring out, wait, we're going to have to sleep in the car tonight. You know, maybe we'll be able. I, I could tell you stories, and a lot of them were due to horrible, horrible, sinful choices uh, of the way some of our my trips, it was before we were married, uh, turned out. Now, just arriving, that's good. It's better than a lot of the other options. But arrive, I mean, you don't want to arrive broke and beat up, right? I mean, who wants to arrive broke and beat up? So that's why I say, like, but it's better than maybe some of the options, getting killed on the way or, in a, a, you know, one of your children dying on the way. And again, we're kind of going with a metaphor or analogy here. But the reality is we want to arrive in style. So you get to that Grand Canyon trip, you get to that last spot. What you want is you want to get there with money in your pockets, refreshed, peace in the car, peace and harmony with your family members. And that's the way that God wants us to arrive. And the steps that we take now are important to how we end up there and then. Does that make sense? So... Will you squeeze, squeeze through the door, this we're talking about of, of heaven, like a picture of this, like squeezing through the door, you know, they're, they're closing the door, it's closing time, they're shutting the door and you slam your foot in and you squeeze in, maybe even scrapes on your body from squeezing through the door with your hair singed. And this is where I get that picture. Paul writes this, he says, for no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will, teach, will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So basically what he's saying, the way that you live your life, when you go before Christ... Even the believer, he's going to go, here's what you did that was worthwhile. Here's what you did out of faith. Here's what you did. That will be treated with fire. And if there's any junk in it or garbage, the garbage is going to be burned up. And the things that we did in faith, the things that we did uh, faithfully living for Christ will be like precious jewels, gold, precious metals that will be left over. And he says, it'll be... Everyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. So the idea here is like this whole thing gets torched. And this guy, you, there's a chance that you may make it, but it'll basically be by like just squeezing through with your eyebrows singed. Like it says there, he will be saved yet as through fire. Now if our house is burning and someone yanks us out, we would rather 
be yanked out, even if our hair was burned off and singed and we're just standing there in our skivvies, than not being saved at all, right? But what he's saying is you don't have to do that. You don't have to, that does not have to be the case. You could show up with an armful of rewards. You could arrive in style. Here's what Paul said is he is at the end of his journey. So this is many years later. He's talking to Timothy and he says this. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. He knows he's dying. His time has come. And this is what Paul says. I'm being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which scripture talks about crowns. It talks about crown of life, crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. So our journey starts out by faith in Christ. It continues as we follow Christ. And it ends one day that we will stand before Christ. And the steps that we take here and now affect all of that. And it's steps of faith. So this next step stuff isn't just a catchy little thing. It's vital to a walk with God. Again, we need to make Paul's prayer our own. Lord, what would you have me do? No matter where you're at in this journey, you could begin asking that right now. So as we close, I just want to, uh, you know, maybe distill this down like, okay, so what do we do now? And I would say this, if you've never put your faith and trust for Jesus Christ, make that decision and say yes and receive his gift of eternal life. That's, a pra- that's your first step. That's the biggest first step you can make is say yes to his offer of eternal life. Receive the sacrifice that he made for you. Receive the love that He's already demonstrated for you. Next, if you're stalled out, if you've got on on the wrong path, that you would take a step back towards Jesus Christ. And if you're going strong, then I would say look for a leap to take. That would be your next step. If you're like, a lot of this doesn't even make sense to me, man. I don't even know where to start. Like, I'll tell you, then ask God to show you your next step. Here would be my recommendation. Every morning at least every morning this week when you put on your shoes, your walking shoes, right? That you would say, God, will you show me what my next step is? He may not make it crystal clear. You probably won't have a voice from heaven come on or you won't turn on the radio and hear staticky voice of God coming through the airwaves. None of that's probably going to happen. But as we begin to pray to him, he says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you're like, I don't even know where to start, that's a place to start. You put on your shoes in the morning, short prayer, God, what's my next step? I'd say if you're a person who knows what your next step is, I would say tell somebody and just say, I know I got this thing that I'm supposed to be doing. I just want to tell you and ask you to check on me by next week because I'm slippery, man. And I'll squirm out of what I know I should do and what God wants me to do. And I'll have 10 reasons why I don't really need to do it this week or don't need to follow up. So if you know what to do, I would encourage you to just let somebody know that. God, will you check on me? Be nice about it, but check on me. All right. There's a next step for all of us. And the next steps that we take are important. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the life that we've been given. 
We thank you for the opportunity for hope, eternal hope, hope even on, on this side of eternity, the hope of joy and peace. And, uh, I thank you for saving me. I know I don't deserve it. I thank you for this group of people. I pray that you would give us clarity in our search for you, our, seek, our seeking, that you would turn the lights on where there's dark spots. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.